Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I think that I had the, I think I had the reverse notion that majority of land was um, like company owned. And that's mm. why, you know, everyone pushes for, for local farming because it's such a small population. I think that's the notion that I had um, misinterpreted, I guess. Companies that are specialized in one. So like, uh, like raisin, like certain raisins companies, like lion's raisins, they have their own farms. Most farms are run by a family and even lion's raisins are run by the lion's family. So, you know, there's, there's a lot more personality in those farms than, than the, the corporate structure that social media would tend to have you believe. Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brian Black, and in today's episode, we're having yet again another consumer conversation. I actually have a, another uh, fellow podcasting duo here to help me out with today's episode, and I'm going to let them give themselves a little introduction. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is June, and um, I'm one half of Puzzle Minds Podcast. And I'm the other half, and my name's Ted. <laughs> awesome. So, um, you know, uh, these, these two guys have an awesome podcast that they'll tell you about more towards the end, but it's all about all kinds of crazy, you know, questions and topics that are, might, might be rattling on the inside of your mind, or maybe they're things you never asked about, but I definitely enjoy some of the questions that they have answered and we'll actually be talking about some of them on today's episode. So, uh, before we get started, like I do with all my guests, would you guys just kind of mind, uh, explaining what connection or background, if, if any, that you have with the agriculture industry? Uh, so for me personally, I don't have any um, experience or ties to agriculture industry. Um, the most that I have is probably just eating the food that that's being produced by that. Yeah, I'm the same way. Absolutely zero. Know nothing about it other than I just consume that food. And if that industry went away, I'd probably starve to death. Perfect. Well, that's that's exactly the perspectives we're looking for. Clear mind is is a, a lot more fun to have conversations with, in my opinion. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I think that this we we had some great conversations before we started the episode about a, a lot of different topics that regard agriculture that a lot of people tend to not think about quite as much. You know, artificial intelligence, uh, CRISPR and genetic modification. You know, even farming and and social media. So we'll we'll start to get into those topics more and more as the episode goes on. But before we start, do you guys have anything you want to? Uh, you know, any, any basic questions about agriculture you'd like to know, any misconceptions you might have heard that you want to talk about, anything like that? Um, off the top of my head, I don't have anything that's hmm. like burning, but, um, you know, I, I can guarantee you I'll definitely have some questions on the way, like why we are talking. Hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Curious to see, you know, what you inform, uh, tell us about. So ask questions as I think of them. Awesome. So I actually used to start a lot of these segments off with a like uh, Jeopardy style question and answer round kind of thing mm-hmm. um, that was just very, very basic questions about agriculture. But as I found, the more guests I had on here, all of them were getting the questions right. And I feel bad for asking them because they're not like, they're not hard questions, but I have heard wrong answers to them. So I try to not, you know, ask those, but just, just out of curiosity, also he has a couple. So first of all, do you guys know where uh, chocolate milk comes from? Uh, it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say definitely not from a, a regular cow. I'm just going to assume it is from a cow just flavored to taste like chocolate or something. 
All right, so it actually does, uh, despite popular belief, come from just a regular cow. It's regular milk that is mixed with, you know, chocolate that gives it that flavor. Um, it's essentially just, you know, it's it's not, there's no like magic chocolate cow or brown cow that the milk comes from that, that makes it a different flavor. It's just regular old white milk that mixed up with chocolate and then they sell it in the store just like anything else. I want to re- retract my statement and say that part <laughs> of no, and that's, that's why I asked this question. Racist. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's that's the reason not to ask these questions is because it, it's important to understand, you know, where your guys' understanding of agriculture is. And that's a good question to ask because not because it's, you know, trying to be demeaning, thinking that, you know, if, if you think that chocolate milk comes from brown cows, you're stupid by any means. It's just we have a as we'll get into later, we have a, a generational gap now of, you know, consumer and farmer. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, a lot of people have misconceptions about the industry that kind of skews their, their understanding of how certain technologies in the industry work. So I wanted to kind of clear some of those things up. So we, we know, you know, what footing we, we can, we can have the conversation on that's going to make sense and not uh, kind of, you know, just completely throw off your, your perception. Mm-hmm. So um, that being said, uh, I think we can kind of start jumping into our first topic here. So uh, you guys actually did an episode on on this that you guys didn't touch on on the agriculture side of it at all, more of the sci-fi side, which I was, you know, uh, very interested to hear, but I also had some things I wanted to add to your conversation, but mm-hmm. starting with artificial intelligence. Um, so before I, I start with anything, what, what do you guys, uh, what, you know, questions, comments, or concerns do you have about artificial intelligence, particularly in the ag sphere? Um, I guess my question is just how we can incorporate um, artificial intelligence to um, make agriculture more efficient and I guess more um, environmentally friendly. Yeah, I would just assume that I'm wondering if this takes away jobs because I mean, I know like, for example, like where my parents live, they're like, they're, it's like in farm country and you see a lot of people that like literally like their livelihood and how they make money and stuff like that is based off them doing it themselves. So if this were to become some sort of automated process, how would that affect them? And you hear about families that have generations of farming in their family, would that completely eliminate that? Mm-hmm. If it just became, you know, a bunch of, you know, I guess essentially robots just doing all the work. So those are two, you know, excellent points. And I think that it's, it's important to understand what artificial intelligence is being used for currently in agriculture and, and what the future developments of this technology are going to look like. And, you know, the, the questions you guys asked are questions that farmers are asking themselves every day, you know, is this technology that we should be incorporating? Is it going to cause a, 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 you know, issue for future generations trying to attain jobs in the agriculture industry? Um, basically, I think where I'd like to start is that with agriculture, technology is constantly advancing. I mean, we started off, you know, with, with very basic tools and we evolved into, you know, horse-drawn plows and then eventually evolved into tractors and then eventually evolved into now we have automated machines. You know, we have self-driving tractors, we have robotic, uh, wow. you know, assistance when it comes to milking cows and when it comes to spraying, uh, you know, crops and that sort of thing. So technology is adapting so quickly with agriculture that it's, it's often overlooked how, how much technological advancement we have in our farming practices. We even have drones that are flown remotely and they can spray on, on a small radius or they can monitor a field. They can detect for heat signatures to figure out what the bugs are. So that way they know where to spray and they don't overspray the field. And, wow. you know, there, there's That's all amazing. kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, that people are, are unaware of are, are actually being used. And 
from an artificial intelligence standpoint, a lot of that is invested into, like I said earlier, a lot of those robots that are being used for menial tasks, you know, like, uh, so when we, when we milk dairy cows, we dip their udders in iodine, that way it prevents infection getting into the udder and it doesn't hurt the cow. And so that, that dipping process, we have a robot do that now because it's just, you know, it's a very menial job. It takes five seconds. It's not a whole lot to, you know, like to have an entire job, you know, where you pay someone just to, just to do a, a, a dipping process would just take forever. And, and it's, it's just kind of like a waste of money from the farmer's perspective. But to your point, you know, about the, uh, about jobs being taken by this technology, it's, it is a concern that uh, people need to be considering, but I, I would counter argue with the idea that as this technology has advanced, you know, as, as the horse, as the horse driven plow was decommissioned and the tractor was replaced by it. And as a tractor is, is now being turned into the, the self-driving tractor, new jobs have, have been created that require those jobs to be um, replaced. So, you know, you might have, less jobs than there were before in terms of manual labor, but you might have newer jobs that require maintenance on these machines or that, or that require a better understanding of, you know, like the business side of things or, or like there's, there's different, it's not that the jobs are being taken away, so they're being relocated to different positions and some of them are being upgraded to, to higher, um, you know, higher, higher advanced positions of, of intellect than they were before. So, mm-hmm. but we've seen that with every industry, you know, as industries get more advanced and, and more intelligent, the jobs around them have to get more advanced and more intelligent. It's just how we, how, how we evolve as a society. So I'm wondering, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Essentially it's like the jobs aren't being taken away. They're just being, they're just being recategorized as something else. So rather mm-hmm. than being a person that needs to know how to, like you said, use the example of like horses and stuff like that, we use machines. So my, I guess my next question is, does the, is the price point for these, for that industry now going up? So instead of having a horse or manual physically doing the work, you have to buy like a $10,000 machine, you know? It's, so is that something that's, that's changed a lot where since, you know, you're not physically doing it now, you have to have all these machines to, you know, I guess essentially become a farmer and a farmer, as much as most people think maybe farming is the job that, you know, is relatively cheap. It doesn't sound cheap at all now. Cause you have to have all these equipment. I see these fields, you know, outside, you know, outside my parents' house, I have like these massive machines that have like giant rakes that are going over like miles and miles of land, you know, but like, I look at the machine and I'm like, that thing has to cost at least like $20,000, you know? So you'd I'm wondering, sorry, yeah, how to afford stuff like that. Yeah. You'd be surprised how expensive some of these machines can get. And, and you know, to your point, yeah. Agriculture is getting more and more expensive. I think that proportionally, uh, for you know, comparing it to older technology and, and the time period, I think that it might not be as bad as everyone thinks. So that tractor you're talking about, I would I would venture to say it's going to be more than twenty thousand dollars. Like there are some tractors today that are sold for millions of dollars, and it, it's it's incredibly expensive to become a farmer. And you know, like you said, people think that farming is is an easy or there's a cheap job, and people just kind of get into it as a hobby kind of thing to be a farmer is, is considered a livelihood for a reason. It's, it's, it's a massive financial investment. And a lot of people tend to think that farmers are incredibly rich and that's how they can afford all of it. They're the only farmers tend to be fairly wealthy, but they're wealthy from the sense that they have a lot of that money tied into capital. They don't have it tied into just, you know, loose cash that they can go spend wherever they want. They have, you know, they have a lot of money because all that money is in their tractors and in their land and in their animals and in their crops and not very much of it is available for them to just use on, on leisure. So there's, there's a, a massive amount of expenses associated with in, in, you know, the evolving technology that's used in, in modern agriculture. And 
to be fair, a lot of farmers use older practices until they can afford to, to adapt. And that's why we have a massive technological gap between certain farmers and other farmers. And it's mostly because of price driven issues. Some of it is because, you know, older generation farmers tend to not want to adapt as, as much as, as younger generation farmers do, but a lot of it has to do with price. Yeah. So I was going to ask you that, like, we know, what is the, I don't want to say hesitancy to, to adapt to, um, you know, to newer technology, but I guess you said it was due to price. Mm -hmm. Price is a big contributing factor. And like I said before, the, so the average age of the American farmer is about 58 years old. They're getting older too. It used to be 56 a couple of years ago. And the biggest problem with that is that we're not having newer generations of farmers take over the practice. And so we have a lot of technological innovation and, and development, but because a lot of these older farmers aren't willing to learn how to use the technology, it's not being used. And so the price isn't being driven down by the market. Mm -hmm. So I think what's going to end up happening over the next few years is that over time, we are going to get more, you know, newer, younger generation of farmers. It's going to take maybe 10 years. I, 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 it's hard to say, but I think that we are going to eventually see a new generation of farmers show up. And as they get into it, they're going to find ways of, you know, farming on the side until and doing another job until they can afford some of that equipment, which is very difficult to do. They usually have to take out loans from, you know, from farm credit systems and then get the equipment and pay it back over time. But if they can do that over time, just like with anything, if they, if they just, you know, regulate the market on that uh, new technology by, you know, everyone using it, then it should lower the price of the, of the technology, you know, because the uh, supply and demand, and then that, that technology will be less, uh, you know, bank breaking, but because of right now, you know, we have so many old farmers that don't want to move on or they can't afford to move on to, to the new technology. It's just, there's so little of it that the price is through the roof for it right now. So what is, what is the newest technology? Are you, are you familiar with what it is? The technology, I mean, every year they have new technology coming out. It's constantly mm -hmm. adapting. And we have in, in my hometown of, of Tulare, California, we, we have a, what's called the World Ag Expo. It's this massive show where they have all kinds of farming and agricultural and science technology companies show up for this, this huge, you know, week long uh, exhibition that's, that's basically just a way of, of, you know, science and tech companies showing off all of the new uh, tech that they're trying to sell off to the farmers. And so we see, all kinds of weird and crazy stuff there. Like I saw a, an electric forklift there last year, which didn't even think that was possible, but they're, they're making it happen. Mm -hmm. um, we're seeing, you know, artificially intelligent drones that can, they don't have to even be remote controlled anymore. We're starting to see, uh, you know, robotic milkers instead of just robotic dippers. We're starting to see all kinds of new technology. Solar panels are being incorporated in ways they weren't being used before. There's new irrigation systems that are trying to adapt to the California drought. Like it, it's difficult to say that we have a new technology of, of today because there's just so much new technology and it's like exponentially growing in, in the amount and in the quality. So you had mentioned um, like the drought um, or the irrigation system. How, can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah. So I, for anyone who wasn't aware, California went through a, a very serious uh, series of droughts and, you know, people argued that we're, we're still in the drought or that we're not completely out of it or that we're out of it, but it's going to come back. You know, there's, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that we're in a severely difficult uh, water position right now. And, you know, a lot of it is, is to due to the fact that we don't have the infrastructure to support the water storage that we need to maintain our, our agricultural land, but that's a whole separate issue. Basically, because of the drought in California, farmers are having to adapt by using drought resistant crops, by using oh, new irrigation okay. systems besides just, you know, 
sprinkler pipe in your field. Now they have drip irrigation, they have flood irrigation, they have, you know, all these different methods of irrigation and they have like, you know, timing systems. So they have basically agriculture has gotten so defined down to a science. They can figure out exactly how much water one crop's going to need. And that crop gets exactly that much water because of the, the regulated irrigation system. And so it's all because they, they're trying to save as much water as possible because they don't know how much they're going to get that year. So it's, it's a matter of adapting the technology to it to fit the environment's uh, demands and, and f- instead of fitting the farmer's demands. What, um, what, what factors contribute to how much a plant needs? Because you had mentioned that, you know, certain plants need a certain amount of water. So what, what factors um, do you have to look at when, you know, you're trying to determine how much water something needs? A lot of it has to do with what species the plant is. So like, let's say we have an orange tree versus a walnut tree. They're going to require different amounts of water just because it's an orange versus a walnut. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the size of the plant is taken into consideration. The soil health is taken into consideration. The nutrient uh, content of that plant is taken into consideration. It could even be the variety. You could have, you know, a, a, you know, you could have two orange trees next to each other, but one's a Valencia orange and one's a navel orange, and they could require different amounts of water. It could be age. It could be, you know, the health of that tree. It could be the, the environment of, and the climate around that tree if, it, if they're in a hot environment versus a cold environment. I mean, there's so many factors that contribute to how much water they need, but by running certain tests on the tree, on the soil, on the climate around it, there's a lot of scientists that actually run these tests for the farmers and get the information back to them. They could figure out about how much water would be a healthy amount for a tree that age in that environment, in that soil, in that climate that would be able to manage you know, all these pests around it and having all these issues going out that like they need this much water and they can designate that much water to that tree. Okay. That makes sense. Mm. So is there anything else you guys want to know on the technology front? Um, off the top of my head, I don't really have anything, anything else. Um, I guess, no, I don't, I don't really have anything, anything else in terms of technology. So I have, actually have a question. So I'm wondering why is it that becoming a farmer, I guess, from what you said, is becoming, I guess, less and less of an alluring job for, you know, coming generations. Because because one thing I've noticed, I've, like you said, when the average age of a farmer nowadays is about 58 years old. And I just realized, like, I haven't seen any young farmers. Like every time I drive by someone, you know, you know, tending to a field, I don't think I've ever seen somebody that's, you know, it seemed to be in their 20s or anything. Is it, why do you think that, you know, people are, I guess, less and less wanting to become farmers? I mean, the short and simple answer is it's just, it's really freaking hard. Um, and, and that's not, you know, that's, that's not my, my final answer. But basically, a lot of it has to do with the fact that agriculture is becoming an increasingly difficult industry to get part to get, to stay involved in. Like we mentioned earlier, a lot of the technology is extremely expensive. A lot of the methods are extremely difficult to deal with. Um, if you're a farmer in California, regulations are through the roof and, and they're suppressing a lot of farmers from even continuing their farms, let alone taking up new ones. Um, if you're talking about the Midwest, they have to follow a lot of California's regulations to trade with them. Trade agreements are a thing. The economy is an issue. Um, there's a lot of hurdles for, for farmers to have to deal with that a lot of young people just don't have an interest in because they see c- career opportunities outside of the agricultural sphere that will be more beneficial and profitable for their future generations. I think that's a big contributing factor to it. Um, I think a lot of it is, is also part of the education system. A lot of people aren't taught that agriculture is even an option because people think that to be in agriculture means you have to be a farmer. There's a lot of 
jobs in agriculture that don't have anything to do with being a farmer. You know, you could be a PCA, you could be a vet, you can be a, a research uh, scientist, you can be a chemical engineer, you could be a computer engineer. Like I've talked to computer programmers who have worked on farms. You know, there's almost every job can be associated with agriculture in some way because agriculture relies on so many jobs to function and so many jobs rely on agriculture to function. So I think that taking agriculture out of the education system has been detrimental to increasing the, the, you know, newer generations of, of farmers to take over. And the biggest problem with it is just, you know, becoming a new farmer is next to impossible and trying to try take over an old farmer's operation is next to impossible to maintain. So it's just, there's so many things against them. I don't really blame them for not wanting to get into it. It's, it's heartbreaking, you know, as someone who is raised around agriculture and, and it being an industry that we're all depending on, it's heartbreaking to see those numbers go down. I mean, the, the average farmer, the number of farmers is dropping drastically. The amount of farmland is dropping drastically. I mean, less than 2% of America is, is, is directly involved in growing food, but there's only so much that we can do at this point and we're losing, you know, farmers by, by the, by the hundreds, but you know, every week. So it's just uh, why they're not getting into it. I, I, I know how to get them into it is something I don't know. Mm, yeah. Cause it, I mean, that's also something that like, I think I've realized also as well too, that I can't remember the last time I I've met somebody that wanted to be a, that is a farmer mm-hmm. that it wasn't inherited interest. Like his mm-hmm. father before him was a farmer or the grandfather. I don't think I've ever met a person that had an interest that manifested just by themselves. Like they're like, Oh, I'm interested in this. Therefore I want to become it. It always seems like something that's been passed down. And, you know, as you just said, you know, people with the start starting up of everything next to near impossible, it seems like it's an industry that's basically like actually in danger of going extinct. And that's Mm -hmm. almost the reason why they have to replace it with robotics because you're not going to get people that are interested in at all in a, you know, a couple of decades where it's like a farmer, what the hell was that? People actually did that, you know, mm-hmm. seems like that's going to be more of the conversation in like 10, 20 years. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's a big thing is that, you know, from the youth perspective, it's just like, like I said, I can't blame them for not wanting to become farmers. It's, it's like, you know, the statistic that says that like, I can't remember what it is, like 90% of startups fail or whatever, or 50%. I can't remember what the number is now, but that a good portion of startups fail I would say that 99% of startup farms fail. Like being a first generation wow. farmer is nearly impossible. It's just, there's so much against you. I, I would never discourage someone from wanting to become a, a first generation farmer. I wouldn't blame them. If record, I would. Shit. <laughs> Statistically, <laughs> if it's the 90% failure rate, I'm like, nah, dude. <laughs> it's it's just so hard. But, but the hard part is that we still need those farmers. You know, we, we still need someone growing the food. We can't just rely on the robots to take it over because agriculture is a human task. You know, we could, we could automize it as much as we want, but there always has to be a human element. And the United States is the number one agricultural country in the world. California is the number one agricultural territory in the world. Like we can't afford to not have farmers yet we're driving them away. And it's not that we're driving them away. So that everything is driving them away. And it's, like, how do you, you know, how do you convince a kid that has everything going for them to go raise a farm on the slim chance that it might work when chances are probably not, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's a difficult conversation to have, but it's one that needs to be had. And I think that, I think that encouraging the next generation to become farmers isn't a bad thing, but we need to structure ourselves as a society and as, a, as an education system to, to prioritize the idea that food security should be something we should be looking for, looking, looking out for, because it's, you know, if, if food security goes out the window, then we're all screwed. Mm-hmm. 
um, I, I hate to harbor on the, um, you know, like the 1% successful success mm-hmm. rate of, of um, starting up a new farm. But mm-hmm. um, so how do you, you know, if, if for whatever reason, like, a, you know, you're, you're a younger generation of, of someone that has been a farmer, you know, let's say that they don't want to become a farmer anymore. So like, how do you um, not, I don't want to say replace those people that are not wanting to do it, but how do you get people back into, into that um, to fill those spots, I guess. And that's yeah. kind of the, the question that every farmer is asking themselves right now. You see, you know, tons of, of, kids of farmers that want to go on to do anything but agriculture like they they grew up around the farm so they don't want to take it over they see how much stress their parents and grandparents go through they see you know all the issues associated with agriculture as an industry not that the industry is bad but just the the amount of struggles the industry faces it's just like why would you want to put yourself through that it's the best way to convince someone to get back into agriculture is something that i don't even know how to how to do i mean it's just like if you guys find if you guys find a way to do it, you let me know. Mm-hmm. But I I mean I have friends who want to go back and, and start, you know, work on the family farm. I also have a lot of friends that grew up on the family farm that don't want anything to do with it. And it, it's just that you but we the, the problem with it is is we have a lot of farmers who are like you said are older and, and, and are trying to retire, but their next generation doesn't want to take it over. And, you know, how do we find that replacement? We have newer generation kids that want to become farmers. The problem is if they don't inherit it and they don't, and, and uh, even if they find some, some farm to take over without the experience, it's such a big learning curve that it usually scares them off by the first year. I mean, there's so much they have to adapt to if they've never had any experience in it. It's just like, it's no wonder that they get, that, you know, that we have such a low rate of farmers just because it's, it's not an easy industry to survive in, but it is an important one that we, that we stress the importance of, you know, as much as possible. Yeah. Makes sense. It's also something as well too, where the definition of farmer, I think in this generation has changed. Like I feel like mm-hmm. some people, like you said, don't even really know what the amount of work that goes into farming. Because when I talk to like my friends, like, Oh, I want to own a farm. Their interpretation of farm is just having a lot of animals, like horses and key things. They're not talking about like towing to the land and all that stuff. So that's also something that I think this generation just does not have an interest in where if the reward, if the work doesn't equate to a, a hard work, doesn't equate to a high reward, they're just not really about it. You know, I think a right. lot of times people that are just interested in the more entertaining side of some of these professions, like you're just mentioning like I think you would have an easier time getting somebody into the more technological side of you know agriculture like you know computer programming or into you know the AI aspects than somebody that actually physically is even using the machines to tend to the land that's an aspect where I I personally haven't met anyone you know within the last I mean I've been on this planet for 29 years and I have not met one person's like I want to be a farmer because I want to do this and that I've seen people interested in that field but it's been more about the technological advancement, not the side, you know, that still requires a lot of hard work. And that coupled with a nine, like I'm going to say 90%, you know, failure rate, if you start on your own. And then even, even if you inherit it, it's like, wow, it's like you get, yeah, there's a steep learning curve. It just seems like an industry that has to almost evolve into something else. Otherwise it completely die out. Yeah. And let me just stress, you know, for the fact that, I don't know the exact number. I just said 90 or 99% failure rate just because it it's an extremely high failure rate. You know, it, 
I'm not going to say that nobody can be a first generation farmer because I don't I don't believe that. I think that people can make it work. Fifty is insane. Like even even if it's not ninety or ninety or ninety or ninety nine, like even mm-hmm. if it's seventy or sixty, that's ridiculous. If it's mm-hmm. over half, is yeah, healthy with failure. That is absurd. I don't think I think there are very few professions that can even you know rep that kind of title. Mm-hmm. Right, and and yeah, like I said, it's not that I think that people shouldn't pursue agriculture. I just think that if they are, good luck to them. And I, I want them to. I, I think that we need new farmers. It's just that there's so many things that are, are against them in that industry that if we could incorporate a way to, you know, help them, you know, if we, if we, could, if we could structure a way to have, you know, less of an entry fee to get into agriculture, then I, I would definitely encourage that. But it's just, it, that just doesn't seem to be in the cards for them. And like, you know, those jobs are important. The, the, the non-farming jobs, the ag tech jobs, the engineering, the computer science, all that kind of stuff. Those jobs are incredibly important. I would, I would encourage anyone to go into those jobs as well. But somebody needs to be replacing this generation of farmers. And mm-hmm. it's just not really clear what that's going to look like over the next few years. So that being said, um, <laughs> on that light note, um, do you guys have anything else on on the tech side of things on on the you know ag generations thing um we can kind of move on to the next item on the agenda if you guys are are good yeah i I think i don't really have any other questions with with uh with technology as of right now Hmm. yeah let's see let's definitely move on and get on a more happier note then (laughs) (laughs) um so i think that the next thing on the agenda was uh you want to talk about local versus factory farming is that right yeah yeah yeah, that'd be great so, uh, just a general, you know, what's the difference or what, what, what were you, what were you liking to learn? Um, you know, I've, I've heard a few, um, podcast episodes about farmers, um, pushing more towards, um, you know, like local farming versus factory farming. And I think when I mentioned, um, when I talked to you, um, in some messages, I think we had, I had mentioned something about, uh, like horrible living conditions with factory farming. And I'm not sure if that was a misconception on my part or if that's correct. I'm not sure exactly like what the the notion is with that. So I would just say that um, for the record, you know, I, I would say yes, that that is considered a misconception. I think the biggest misconception about local versus factory farming is that people don't understand what factory farming means. I don't think that they realize that factory farming basically doesn't exist. There, there's not really much of a thing that is considered factory farming. A lot of people think of, you know, food production as, as an assembly line, you know, you have like your, like your chickens all going down a conveyor belt and their eggs fall out and then, you know, they get their head cut off and then now they're, you know, part of a, part of a chicken dinner or whatever. Like the, there's, there's not an assembly line for factory, you know, like there's not a factory process to agriculture like there is for the automotive industry, for example. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big misconception is that people think that, you know, local versus factory, you should go local that way. These, you know, these animals and these people aren't, aren't put to harsh conditions working on the assembly line kind of thing when really that's just not how agriculture really works. I mean, and, and on, on that same note, people often say support the family farms, don't support these big corporate farms. Well, about 98% of farms are family run, even corporate farms are family run. You know, there's corporate farm just, just talks about the size of the farm, not who runs it. So there's very, very few farms that are actually run by companies. A, a massive, massive, massive majority of farms are run by families. So just to kind of clear up those misconceptions before we move on. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I think that I had the, 
I think I had the reverse notion that majority of land was um, like company owned. And that's mm. why, you know, everyone pushes for, for local farming because it's such a small population. I think that's the notion that I had um, misinterpreted, I guess. Which is a fair misinterpretation. I've heard a lot of people make that same mistake and it's not something that I, you know, I don't shun people for not knowing that kind of thing. Cause you know, that's all you hear about is, you know, you see these videos of, of these massive factories where a cow is getting pushed along the line until it's like squeezed dry of milk and then it gets chopped up into a steak or whatever. Like they're all, all these like terrible looking, you know, things when really that's just like, if you go to pretty much any farm, you'll see that their conditions are, are, you know, very clean and, and, you know, the animals are well taken care of of the crops are well taken care of there's not really much of a factory process to it they're mostly out in the open um, there are some uh, operations that have to be confined into closed areas but that's more for biosecurity reasons more than anything it's not really to hide what they're doing it's just because they don't want those animals to get sick and so there's there's uh, reasons for that but most most farms across the united states at least are and really in, in other parts of the world as well are run by families and they are they are running with a commercial purpose of of you know uh, functioning as if they are their own company but they're not a massive corporate like mcdonald's doesn't own a bunch of farms mcdonald's buys their meat from a slaughterhouse they got their meat from a farm so it's like you know there there aren't that many many companies that own massive farms besides like you know companies that are specialized in one so like uh like raisin like certain raisins companies like lions raisins they have their own farms most farms are run by a family and even lions raisins are run by the lions family so you know there's there's a lot more personality in those farms than than the the corporate structure that social media would tend to have you believe so um so i guess one of my questions that that comes up now is um is there like what is the reason why people or not people but there are videos of of um you know, circulating around the internet that certain, certain companies, I guess, quote companies are having these, um, like, like chickens, for instance, like they're in like plate, like paper, uh, not plate pens. They're in, uh, chicken coops and pens on top of each other. Like what, what is the purpose of, of them doing that then? I think that, and, and I don't know for sure. Uh, I'll yeah. say right now that I'm not, you know, fully certain on why this happens. I think that some of it is fear mongering. Um, mm-hmm. There are some organizations I'm just going to be straight up. You know, I, I, I have a, a full transparency policy with my podcast. I don't hide any, any of my opinions just because I don't think that's, that's intellectually honest, but I personally believe there are some organizations out there that are against agriculture that are against animal agriculture, particularly that are against, you know, the, the continuance of the rural lifestyle for reasons unknown that will pose propaganda like that purely just because they want to um, with, without, you know, with little to no evidence supporting it. Um, to say that there's, there's, there's no examples of that existing anywhere in the world. I'm not sure. I'm sure that there are examples that, you know, what those videos show is, is somewhat accurate somewhere in the world, but for the massive majority of farms, I've been on quite a few farms. I, I haven't seen anything even close to what those videos represent. So mm-hmm. I think some of it is fear mongering. You know, those those organizations just want to instill fear in people about something that that they don't understand. Um, I think that some of it is just poor education. So maybe, maybe somebody saw something in a movie one time and they just thought that that's how all things are everywhere around agriculture, and so they posted it. Um, that tends to be how most misconceptions get spread: is that people see things in movies that aren't fully accurate and they take it to the extreme. Um, so I think that might be part of it. I know that there is some 
fear-mongering associated with labels on foods like the antibiotic-free, hormone-free, GMO-free, those types of labels. There's a lot of fear-mongering associated with that. So I'm assuming those videos kind of follow a same, same suit as that. Um, and a lot of that's even companies competing with each other. You know, they say, well, I'm GMO-free, even though all products of that caliber are GMO-free or whatever the case may be. So it could be something like that. You know, like companies saying like, well, at least we don't factory farm. It's like, well, nobody factory farms. You're just saying that so you feel better about yourself. And it's, it's hard to say, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of potential reasons. I have no evidence to support any of those being accurate, but from my experience, that tends to be the reason more often than not. It's just there's, there's either a misunderstanding or there's fear mongering involved. So I guess that uh, this might be a good, a good way to transition to the next topic and how, like, how does farming and social media kind of intertwine or if they even do intertwine? So farming very, very recently joined the media uh, landscape. Um, and when I say very recently, I mean like within the past 10 years, like farming has not been social media for very long. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it, it's hitting social media in a very, very rough way. Agriculture doesn't have a very good voice in the public. And it gets misrepresented quite a bit on social media. And I, I think that part of that, excuse me, I think part of that is to blame on, on the path of agriculture. They don't do a very good job of defending themselves or educating others. And that's why I'm trying to do with this podcast. Um, they're getting better though. I have seen quite a bit of, of agricultural organizations posting on social media and doing a really good job about it. Um, most of them are education based. Some of them are just informational based, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that for so long, there was no information about agriculture online that when it finally did become available there's already too much false information available so nobody believed the actual stuff that was coming to light later on in mm-hmm. life um so to say that agriculture has a rocky situation with media is kind of putting it lightly um but we're currently in the process a lot of newer generation farmers a lot of ag communications and ag education people a lot of teachers a lot of you know politicians are making a, a strong effort towards giving agriculture a voice on media and trying to alleviate some of those misconceptions that get spread around quite a bit. And some of that's positive. Some of it gets somewhat negative and they have, you know, debates on Twitter, which are never a good thing. So I like, we usually try to discourage those, but they happen and you can't really stop them. So um, agriculture is slowly transitioning into being a somewhat positive presence on media now. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask like, you know, how are, how are they using it? I guess you had mentioned that they're using it for, for advocacy um, to have a voice in the, in the social media community. Um, do they ever use it for like uh, recruitment and, you know, kind of like, Hey, you know, um, agriculture is a really rewarding lot. Um, can you say that's a lifestyle? At, at, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So can you, you know, do you like, I guess what other ways are they using social media to, um, to benefit them besides like having a voice. Yeah, for sure. There's, there's tons of marketing and advertising opportunities on social media that a lot of newer agricultural companies are using. Um, there's a lot of recruitment going on as far as, you know, like you, you've probably seen those military ads, you know, like, like the go army ads where they try to recruit people onto into mm-hmm. the military. Mm-hmm. Agriculture hasn't necessarily done that, but they've been approaching more, uh, you know, similar types of, of advertising styles where they try to encourage people to pursue careers or at least study agriculture more deeply. Um, and so a lot of, I know a lot of advocacy groups that are posting just statistics about how few farmers we have and how we need more. So a lot of it is education based, but there is some recruiting, there's some commercial advertising. Um, 
you know, the problem with agriculture, I think, is that a lot of those communities are so tight knit that they don't want to go outside their community. And so they have a hard time reaching out to people who don't associate with them. And so we, we tend to have an, an echo chamber going on in the ag community. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do here is, is get outside the, you know, get outside the ag sphere and talk to people who don't, you know, who aren't in that in that community to try to get them aware of what's going on. So most of it is advocacy and education. There is some commercial advertising. There is some recruitment. Um, there's not really much else besides that. I mean, we've, there's a few ag podcasts, but mostly they talk about ag news and, you know, new technology coming out and that's about it. They're, they're not really educational for the consumer. They're more for the farming community, but you know, anyone's, anyone can consume that and appreciate it. I feel like at least like there's, there's some really, really good episodes on there that I send to my non-ag friends all the time. So ag is, is slowly adapting to be a more mainstream topic in, in, uh, you know, social media, but we're just so behind the ball. It's really tough to catch up. So I hope that, you know, stuff like what I'm doing and what other people are doing in, in similar aspects are, are kind of reaching larger audiences than just the farming communities that are on Facebook. Yeah, I it I can I can see how um you know being behind the ball with social media. I mean social media is fairly new, but you know, coming onto the to the scene a little bit later than when it first appeared, I can see that being a, a daunting task to, you know, um incorporate agriculture and stuff into into a social media twist and um you know, I do hope that agriculture as a whole it gets more exposure um, because like you said before, I don't think that agriculture is necessarily um, broadcasted. I'm not sure if that's the word I want to use, but you know, I, I didn't have any exposure to it in high school. Um, it might be due to where I was, um, you know, going to high school. Yeah. Um, I assume that maybe more like rural, um, more rural areas or, have that in the curriculum i assume again i, I don't know funny that you say that yeah we have one-on-one for like everything like science like you know mathematics science you know social studies and stuff like that but something as vital as agriculture you would tend to think that it deserves it's like one-on-one course you know and that's the thing that i i find actually pretty surprising because it's an industry that yeah we may not care about it but if it goes away you will see the adverse consequences of that like if there's no, if we're not able to, you know, have people to, you know, even run these machines or, you know, attend to uh, this all land and stuff like that, that seems like an issue. Yeah, definitely. And then agriculture does have somewhat of a presence in education. It's very, very little. Um, there's a youth leadership organization, like I mentioned earlier, called Future Farmers of America or FFA. And it does span across the entire United States. It's only in the United States, though. And it's treated as an elective, you know, there, there's no, you know, required classwork in, in, you know, general education that has anything to do with agriculture. And I personally think that's a mistake. And, you know, like, like you guys mentioned, if this goes away, then we're going to notice it big time. Um, so I think that it should be prioritized as a, as a more prevalent topic to learn about in school, but that's just, you know, maybe that's just the ag teacher and me talking. Um, but it's, it's got a presence there. I think that it just needs to be a little bit more, more appreciated than, than it is. Oh yeah. I 100% agree with you. Yeah, me too. So, all right. Well, you guys have anything, uh, anything else for me? 
I know, man. You've kind of covered like everything, dude. That was incredible. Like I honestly <laughs> came in here like not knowing anything and I'm leaving with actually knowing quite a bit because I've always known that agriculture was important, but I guess since it's not, I'm not seeing the effects of its lack of its presence mm-hmm. that, you know, I've never really thought about it, but the way you broke it down to explain, you know, like <laughs> that it's, we, it's a very vital thing right now and it's slowly dying before our eyes. We don't realize it. I mean, it's something that I definitely think will, when people bring up a conversation, I'll definitely defend it, you know, now versus before. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm the same way too. Um, you know, I, I assume that the, the agriculture um, community was a, was a big yet t- tight knit um, community, but you know, through this conversation and um, yeah, just through this conversation, you can see that it's not, as or I to me at least it's not as big as I thought it was you know and so advocacy for this community and stuff like that I think is a vital part that that isn't uh, vocalized as much which it should be well I'm glad you guys took those uh, reactions away and like I said at the beginning I've I've never advocated for anyone to uh, you know be outright spokesman for agriculture you know I think that anything does help but I think that more importantly than anything, people just need to be aware of what's going on. And when I have these conversations, I don't have them with the intention of people, you know, going and voting on things in favor of agriculture, going and making purchasing decisions in favor of agriculture. But if they're at least more educated on why those decisions are important and what impact they might have, then I think my job there is done kind of thing. So like I said, I I don't think that, you know, like as much as I, as much as I appreciate you guys saying that you would stand up for agriculture and advocate for it more, you know, I I wouldn't ask you guys to to go out of your way to do that. If you do it, awesome. I definitely appreciate that. But it's always just, you know, having these conversations and getting the word out there, I think is more important than anything, because, you know, like we discussed earlier, this is our food we're talking about. You know, this is arguably the most important thing that we need to be focusing on. And, if we're not prioritizing food, then what can we prioritize at that point? At least in my opinion. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the way to put it is, you know, I'm glad that we had this conversation then mm-hmm. um, more so just because you said that, you know, being aware of the, the problems as well as the, you know, the stuff that goes on in agriculture. Like I said, a lot of, for me personally, I don't, I don't have any exposure to that. I mean, I mm-hmm. could, if I actually looked into it, but personally, that's not a, an interest of mine. And so, you know, having these conversations does enlighten those, those issues as well as, you know, um, making light of them. Because again, if we didn't have this conversation, then I would have never known, um, you know, the trials and tribulations, I guess. I'm not sure if that's the, the word that we want to use, but um, of, of farming. Mm. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we know that we had this conversation because again, I'm a better or I'm more informed in, in these, in these topics when I'm, when I'm trying to, you know, decipher like what's going on in agriculture. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, there's so much to learn about when it comes to agriculture. Like I don't expect you guys to be, you know, experts on, on the subject by any means, or, or I hope that, you know, anything I said that you guys could take away from it with a, you know, with a positive outlook. And I know that today's episode went a little bit more on the uh, kind of, you know, somber side of things. I didn't mean for that to happen, but it kind of just, it's important to have these conversations I feel like. And so I'm glad that you guys were 
um, at least interested in what I was saying, even if it, you know, I hope that it, that it resonated with you to a degree that you're able to uh, take away from it an understanding and appreciation of where your food comes from. Um, and, you know, like I said, there's so much to learn. There's so much to talk about. We could do, you know, a thousand episodes on all the things that there is in agriculture and still not even touch the surface of it. I mean, that's what I'm doing with my podcast right now. And like, you know, like I said, I, I just moved into my, my, you know, new apartment with my roommates and I have two roommates that grew up on a dairy and they ask me questions about ag all the time that they didn't know about. There's just so much to learn. Hmm. So, you know, any questions like I can answer, I'm more than happy to do so. As long as you guys are, are interested in having the conversation in the first place, that's, you know, that's my number one goal. Yeah, definitely. If I, if I do, or, you know, if Tad or I do have questions for agriculture in the future, then I think, you know, we'll definitely be in, in touch in terms of trying to be more educated about whatever we do have to, um, to learn. Definitely. Well, I definitely appreciate you guys making the time to be on this episode. And, you know, I, I like me already said, if you guys have any more questions or if you want to come back on a follow-up episode, I'd be more than happy to have you on here. Um, and before we close out here, I want to give you guys the opportunity to plug your own uh, podcast and talk about any other plugs you want to, you want to give or any, you know, anything else you guys want to share with our, with our audience. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, yeah. So like I said in the beginning that we are uh, Puzzled Minds Podcast, Puzzled Minds Podcast. I don't know why that <laughs> blended together. Um, you know, and our, our motto is that we help piece together those 2 a.m. thoughts. Um, so we we um, go through the alphabet, you know, pick a letter and it's not in um, chronological order in, or not chronological. I guess it's not the way of the alphabet. So we don't go from A to B to C. We go from A to F to Q to Z, like whatever topic that we do. Um, last one that we did is simulation theory. Um, you know, and if we aren't really one and this week we're actually doing actually in a few hours, we're going to be recording, um, the answering the, the internet's weirdest questions. Um, so we have, you know, user submissions and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, you know, we, just we don't really have a, a theme so we kind of just pick on whatever topic we want to talk about and you know it's kind of like a surprise to the listeners every week so um other than that you know you can follow us at puzzled minds podcast on instagram uh, our twitter is puzzled minds pod and uh oh and our our gmail is a uh, puzzled mind podcast at gmail.com where you know you can submit a topic to us if you want to hear us talk about it Awesome. Well, uh, you know, like I said, I, I, thank you again for, for uh, joining me for this episode. I definitely recommend anyone going and checking out their podcast. I'll link it down in the description. I think it was a lot of fun. I don't know about you guys. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to add to the, you know, to the fun, to closing out messages here. No, I, I, other than that, just, you know, thank you for having this conversation because really interesting. Yeah. Like I said, it's not, not something that's not definitely not in our, in our Avenue. Um, but you know, again, like you said before, it is important to have these conversations and, you know, it's something that we need to have, whether it's casual, casual conversations over some coffee or whatever it is, you know, just within general, these, these are things that we need to be talking about that, yeah. that affect us, you know, with our food chain and stuff like that. So, yeah. And today was a very conceptual, you know, conversation. I mean, like, we didn't even get into the specifics of half the stuff that we talked about. We talked about, you know, very general topics, um, which, you know, I, like, like I said, well, my roommates will come in and say, Hey, what can you tell me about the citrus industry? And I can go on for just, you know, just oranges for an entire hour. So it's like, there's so much to talk about. And there's so many things that, you know, like if you guys have any questions about I'm more than happy to answer them, but today 
we kind of talked about ag issues and where the ag industry is going and education media, which I think are very important topics. It's just that, you know, I feel like I, I hope that I answer you guys' questions fairly well. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Thank you so much for you know, you know, explaining those. So. Yeah. Well, I, I'd like to, uh, you know, like I said, very appreciative of you guys coming on here. I'll link you guys' stuff down in the description and, you know, I hope that we're able to do potentially another episode in the future, you know, talk about some more stuff and, you know, at that, at that point we might even, you know, have some, some other topics to, to bring onto the table, more specific types of topics. You know, we, we had CRISPR on the agenda that we never got to, which is fine. We can always come back to another time. We talk about GMOs. We talk about, you know, like I said, the robot thing tends to catch, catch a lot of people's attention, but we have all kinds of stuff. I mean, there's so much we could, we could go over. So, you know, I'd, I'd be happy to have you guys back on for another time if you guys were interested. Um, yeah, definitely. Like I said, we'll, we'll be in touch with you and we'll kind of coordinate that accordingly in terms of, um, you know, time and, topic wise that something that comes up that maybe you that you listen to you thought that would be a great great topic yeah just like i said just reach out to us or we'll reach out to you whichever whichever works yeah definitely well i i like i said like i said i'm very appreciative of you guys coming on here i'm very appreciative of our you know listeners and guests and and everyone involved and anyone who helps out with this podcast mm-hmm. is always a you know a friend of mine so thank you all so much and don't forget if you wait today thank a farmer <laughs>